This episode of 321 Lay On Podcast is brought to you by LARPbox, a monthly subscription box for LARPers by LARPers. Go to LARPbox.com and use the promo code 321podcast to receive 10% off your next purchase. Welcome to 321 Lay On Podcast, a podcast about live action roleplay, part of Next Level Nerd Podcast and Network. We're going to interview a LARP in the Northwest Jersey area outside of Phillipsburg. Joining me today is Ken, Luna, Joe, and Kaim. Hello. Hello. These are uh, the staff of Wearloga. And I think the first question I want to ask real quickly is the the name Wearloga. Why don't you explain that? Wearloga actually is Gaelic for uh, Warlock. Cool. Which is uh, effectively like means like liar or traitor or that kind of thing. Yeah, that's so. the connotation of the word. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, you know, they're fantasy sounding thing, basically. <laughs> no, I like it. <laughs> it's always interesting to have a name that's kind of like, ooh, what does that mean? I want to find out more, you know? Yeah, no. So why don't we go around and you can sort of introduce yourself and give a brief background, your history of LARP. Okay, uh, my name is... Ken Carnes. I am one of the two head GMs of the game. I kind of focus more on like the lore and generic writing parts of everything. My first LARP, God, how long ago did I start LARPing? When I was eighteen, technically. No, so it was, it was, it was during it was during your cancer. Yes, I, technically, I started LARPing when I had a cancer diagnosis. Uh, it was kind of like the one thing I really wanted to do. So started doing that around that point. So I LARPed for a good uh, five years around that point. Then I had to take a break due to family issues. And then four years ago now, I started my own LARP. So I've been LARPing for a pretty long time at this point. Nice. And everything clear in that end, if you don't mind me asking, health-wise? Or... Uh, yeah, no, I've been in remission for a, well over a decade now. Technically, I, you're never cured of cancer, but, you know, Sure. You know, as of right now, I'm well outside the statistical probability of it coming back. That's awesome. Congrats. Yeah, I- I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and with me is my wife. Hi, I'm Luna Vernon Carnes, and Ken's wife. I first started LARPing, uh, I did a couple events when I was 15, like a couple here and there, but I didn't actually start LARPing regularly until I was about 19. Uh, I attended a game for about four years of... Family issues, Ken mentioned, came up, and uh, so I wasn't really able to do anything like that for a long time. Uh, like, I went to the occasional here or there event when I could spare the time, but by and large, I didn't start again until we started Wear Logo, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, I guess we're running a LARP now. Cool, I guess I'm back <laughs> in. So, um, I nice. tend to, uh, I'm, I'm one of the directorial staff, but I'm not one of the owners, um, and I uh, tend to be one of the guys that makes a lot of the props for our game. Sweet. I'll go next. Uh, my name is Joe Carnes. I've been LARPing since I was 14. I'm 27 now, and I've been steadily doing so since then. I've been to about, I want to say, 12 different LARPs in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey area. Yeah, and yeah, like, like Ken said earlier, four years ago, we said, yeah, why not? We got time. And start wear logo. Nice. And last but not least. Hi, I'm Kaim. I've been LARPing the shortest of all of us, but it's still been like six or seven years at this point. I'm mainly in charge of rogue plot and world plot, specifically regarding like geography. Mm. So like where things are in game. Cool. 
um, outside of that, uh, I'm actually the one who found our site location. Oh, nice. Because I used to work out near it. And thank goodness for that. Yeah, Kai came in clutch on that. Nice. So you ha- you're covering uh, fantasy geography and real life geography. Accidentally, but yes. <laughs> nice. And what was kind of the beginning of the all this? What made you all say, "Hey, let's start this game"? And it's actually one of my favorite stories to tell when people ask about that because uh, basically it all started because we were sitting waiting for a local wrestling show, <laughs> and I kind of looked at my brother and said, "Hey, you know what's weird at LARPs?" How when you have uh, blood or you need to do things with blood in games, like for sacrifices and stuff, you just, you know, lose hit points. So, like, it's like, then they heal me so I get more blood back. So we kind of just spitballed the idea for, like, a special blood bleed-out system almost. And it kind of spun from there. Okay. And what's the system, since we're on the topic? Joey, go ahead. All right, so the blood system came up... uh, like he said earlier from a from an event that I went to where I was like, Yeah, we had to do this blood ritual where we had to pour a bunch of our you know, all the town's blood into a thing and, you know, to kill the bad guy. And that's where the story came from. But the blood system in our game basically turned into at your n- normal, I'll consider Jersey area LARP, there's your whenever you loot whenever at zero hit points you would begin your death count, your bleed out count. And at that point you would have about depending on the game, anywhere from like two to five minutes and before your character actually takes a death or is dead permanently depending on the game so based on that we decided to make blood tracked in so that way if we did require people to spend ritual time or to make sacrifices in whatever tangible way we deem necessary instead of just every time i got healed i would be then my death count would always restart at four minutes it would if you permanently lost blood throughout the weekend your death counter would go down so at the beginning of the event, it, when it sounds like, oh, I have a 10-minute bleed-out time, you go, well, that's an insane amount of time. I'm never going to die. But then, you know, you an alchemist pays you for your blood, you know, here and there. You, you make some money, and you're like, oh, I only have six minutes left now. Oh, yeah, whatever. That's still a lot of time. Well, every time you, every minute you spend bleeding out, quote-unquote, you permanently also lose a blood. So it starts out seeming like a lot, but if you're not careful with your expenditure or who's using it it quickly turns into oh the next enemy that drops me i'm immediately in danger and my friends have a minute to even like do anything (laughs) about it before i take a death that's awesome i like it it's it's a lot of fun because we get to play around with players being able to use that they're essentially their bleed out time as a resource in a very like mechanical and yet very storyline way like a lot of our rituals and alchemies and stuff like that require like blood or taxidermy parts from beings and creatures and all of those cost blood points so you could technically sacrifice a little bit of your bleed out time for to get like a whole bunch of healing potions and stuff like that Mm -hmm. a risk reward style like i can i can take the hit now but i in theory will be better later at the risk of you know dying faster and of course, you know, it's not like permanent forever, like, oh, I lost three blood this event, next event I'm still down three blood. It pops back up at the end of every event, but it's still something you have to manage over the course of a day and a half, and it's it goes quick if you're not paying attention. I like to say that our LARP is very Dungeons & Dragons inspired, where there's like different types of damage types and, you know, certain things like ice elementals are really weak to fire and that sort of thing. 
So one of the fun things we got to do with that is uh, we have a damage type that's just poison. And if you get knocked down to zero hit points from poison damage, you actually lose half of your blood rounded up. So if your average person starts with 10 blood, if you get knocked down with poison, you go immediately to five blood. And then yeah. if that happens again, you actually get knocked down to two blood because of the amount you lose rounds up. Wow. And if your average enemy would get dropped by poison, they'd basically just immediately go down. Like they're, they're just don't even got to worry about regeneration or stuff like that. Poison just handles the problem on your end as well. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Well, that's interesting because we were talking before the podcast that I had wanted to come out to an event, but I had a, a wedding I had to go to. So I was looking at the rules and I usually like to just jump right into the character options and like start thinking of the character and how to build them and then maybe like backgrounds and stuff like that. And I was looking at like healer or doctor or something like that and the undead race, I think. And there were things in the in the rule like skills that said something about using blood and i was like oh that's kind of a strange <laughs> strange thing but i don't think i'd read a part read the rules about the bleed out system so now it makes a lot more sense of why those things are useful or why it's a hindrance if you can't use your blood or something like that yeah one of the fun things about the undead race at our game is most the average blood that a character has is 10-ish. Some characters have less, some characters have, like, more. But the undead start with, like, 15 blood. Mm -hmm. So they actually have a really long bleed-out time, but one of their primary abilities they can have is where they can essentially just spend an amount of blood, I forget how much, to immediately get up from dying. So they can just mm -hmm. sort of do the, the Jason Voorhees, I've been defeated, now I'm going to Dracula back up, and now I'm going to keep fighting. Yeah. That's cool. These, Yeah, and already... These are things that I have not heard in other games, so it sounds pretty unique and creative, which is cool. Another thing that we did for speaking on the Undead Race as well, which we called Risen, going back to the D&D &D comparison, which is a pretty standard thing for high fantasy games, uh, but a lot of games don't end up taking the Undead have reversed healing energy. Right. So... Uh, we did that actually, and it's worked out pretty well. Like we thought that it, it was a gamble when we started it, but uh, the undead at our game, if they were, if a cleric walked up to them and tried to cast a healing spell, instead that would drain their hit points, right? And that so that way it would be like, so you have so the, and all of the people who were like pain casters also have like, oh, I can heal these undead people now, so I have like, I'm not just a pure offensive caster. If there's an undead PC. Mm -hmm. that i can i can be in charge of keeping them alive yeah that's cool versatility and um mixing things up could totally change someone's gameplay that they're used to or have never tried before maybe it could be like hard mode for some people <laughs> we have we've had have had a lot of fun with trying to like harp on standard larp tropes but at the same mm -hmm. time kind of trying to put them in our own way like the whole undead and everything like that, uh, taking damage from healing spells. It's like, yeah, that's a D&D &D thing, but we kind of put some of our own twists on it. Like um, our undead, they have lots of natural armor points, but they have a low amount of hit points. So a good healing, healing person could literally just walk up to some of the more minor undead and throw some really low-level healing spells at them, and they'll just kind of go down like a sack of bricks. But a person mm -hmm. that's, you know... a uh, sword and board stick jock is going to walk up to that undead and that undead's going to basically be a big brick wall they're going to be hitting for a little while mm -hmm. 
No, I like that. Cool. Let's back up a minute. And so you're having this conversation at the wrestling match and <laughs> you come up with the blood system, which is really cool. And, uh, and then how does that go from that to a full-blown LARP? So I've been helping with LARPs in general for like over a decade. Uh, I helped at uh, Nocturne for a little bit. I was never staffed there, but I would run occasional mods or I would do input on rules. Uh, I also helped a LARP, which is now closed, uh, Faglen. It's its first iteration. I didn't help with its second iteration. But I had been casually involved in rules discussion and stuff like that, helping games out to the point that me and my brother, I would you know help with those games and then go, hey, we talked about this today. And me and my brother would drive to my father's house who lives two hours away in Harrisburg. Uh, we live in Easton, for example. So we'd have this long drive where they were like, all right, well, let's talk about what would we do in this situation? You know, I, I can mm -hmm. help people with their own rule set, but what would we want to do if we were in that situation? And we just, I'd open my phone up and start writing notes down. And I, we wrote enough notes eventually that we accidentally had a rule book kind of. <laughs> yeah. One day I kind of, I was always collating the things we created and I randomly made a, like a wikia of all of the LARP rule ideas we had ever come up with. And I put them all together and I was like, oh, this is an actual LARP. Like there are rules here for how things work and like a system for how to build characters and everything like that. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Um, yeah, a lot of projects start that way, I think. It's especially <laughs> weird for us though, because we sort of were planning on doing our LARP as a, hey everyone, hey, like us and our 10 friends that we can get uh, convinced to do this, this goofy thing. Let's all go to this big park that we know is close by and see if this LARP system actually works. And we created a Facebook group that had like 20 some people in it. And then like a year went by and then Kime found the site. And suddenly I think like our Facebook group grew to like a hundred people in like over the course of a week or two. And I kind of looked at Joey and I was like, I think we're running a LARP now. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. My brother who hosts the show with me sometimes. Yeah, we have like three or four projects that are just kind of these living Google Docs that we throw ideas into here and there. And one's kind of a LARP, one's kind of a tabletop thing. <laughs> but uh, it's fun, you know, it's just could be something someday. Yeah, I basically do that on my off time as well. <laughs> so how many people are we at now? Our average attendance depending on you know various things i say anywhere from 40 to 60 people and that will be including the four of us okay but considering we went from oh wow 20 people came and and then we doubled that number within the first year and like yeah. said, now our average is yeah I'd, I'd say 45 to 60 personally i think that's like a sweet spot We're so it is important to say we we run uh bi-monthly so every two months or we try to so we only do six events a year. Yeah, the six events a year is the more accurate number because unfortunately there's a summer camp that runs on our site. So uh, we pretty much are locked out for most of the summer. So we try and make up for it. Sometimes we have to run two event to like two months next to each other during fall or spring to make up for it. But we do six a year. Yeah, and we always make sure that we're sort of a cheaper game. Like we still we we don't we try not to skimp on things, but at the same time we realize that a lot of the People who play at our game, they're coming because we play, you know, like six times a year. So they don't have like a huge time or money investment into it. So we try and keep our prices, I don't know, below average, basically. Right. No, that's cool. 
if you uh, to go on that if your average LARP cost in the PA New Jersey area is fifty five dollars, and that would it, assuming the game uh, that would be covering a a place to sleep and normally a meal provided on Saturday in some f- fashion. We do the same thing. Our campsite's much smaller, uh, so our it costs less for us to rent. So we only charge thirty five dollars, and that covers a bed and a you know we provide a a meal on Saturday. Sweet. The cabins by a larger climate controlled, and there's ready bathrooms, which is a wonderful thing on a on a LARP site. <laughs> yeah, it's a special yeah. needs camp, so there's there's ramps everywhere. It's pa- it's paved pretty nicely, so lots it's really of good. grass to fight in, which is great. Nice. Yeah, our campsite's owned by the Ark of Warren County, so we try and help them out whenever we can. Generally, in the winter, we run a donation event to help them out. Oh, that's cool. That's our Christmas event. Usually, we just donate whatever we get from that event directly to the uh, Ark so that they can make sure that they're, you know able to keep the, the areas paved and make sure the people who live on the site or close to the site have access to like the camp and whatnot. And like we've seen the improvements they've made too. Like they put some full benches around the fire pit and things like that and they repaved recently. Like it's cool to see what we've given them and what we've put into them actually actively improving the site, which is deep. Right. Uh, two years ago, uh, during was it two years ago? Yeah, during when that hurricane hit uh, the New Jersey area, it uh, trees like got thrown around the campsite and destroyed like whole decks and from our wow. from one of our donation events like that directly contributed to like I, they had it was broken march and then april it was fixed like they were able to get it done nice oh they also replaced like all the pipes in like one building before the donation <laughs> event so it, it is nice to see our the money that we give them and rent from them actually go into the campsite i've i've been to a lot of campsites with LARPs where the, the camp owner will promise, oh, we're going to add this thing, we're going to do this thing, and uh, it's it's been 10 years since that <laughs> since that yearly promise. Yeah. It's cool to hear um, a camp that'll work with you, and um, you get, like, a, it sounds like a good relationship and partnership there. It's a great program to work with, too. Like, they really do a lot of good for the people they work with. Yeah, they're, they're you know, it's a, it's a organization that helps folks with uh, intellectual and physical disabilities. And, you know, they do some real good stuff. Sweet. What's uh, the name and contact for anybody interested? Uh, they're the Ark of Warren County. I don't know their contact info off the top of my head. Uh, it, I mean, if you wanted to rent the location, uh, her name is Marcy. Uh, and that's all I have at the moment. But on their, yes. if you go to the Ark of Warren County's website, which you can search on Google, like that, that has all of their information, including their summer camp. So if there is someone you know who is looking for that, it... It's a great program and a great little site. Nice. Sorry to spring that on you, but that's plenty to Google. They'll find it. Their website is arcwarren.org. There we go. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Googled it before I could. <laughs> Thanks. And so are there more on staff uh, besides the four of you? I mean, there's the four of us who are the owners and runners of the game. We have a couple people that we like to like have help us do some stuff, but it's uh, we have a couple of like we allow one of the real important things for the game is that I want it and Joe want it and we all want it to be very player driven in terms of the plot that happens. Mm-hmm. So when a player submits like a mod or a plot or something like that, very often we will you know read it over, and make sure it doesn't contradict anything we have, but let them sort of be the ones to run it. 
So we have a lot of players that do a lot of storytelling and a, st- a lot of writing, uh, a lot of individualized uh, game type stuff. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the only other person I would say that's at every event is my, is mine and Joey's mother. <laughs> she is an, an immense help, and we love her very much. Shout out to Karen Carnes. We love you. So one of the things that uh, was happening in the greater gaming world at the time uh, was the Magic the Gathering judge system lawsuit. And if you don't know what that was, basically a bunch of Magic the Gathering's, you know, unofficial official judge program was being compensated with, you know, cards and stuff like that because, you know, they were volunteering their time. And basically there was a lawsuit because they were saying, well, these cards have monetary value, so you owe us money because this is a secondary market. And so there was a lot of, like, a lot of LARPs in the New Jersey PA area do volunteer staff where it was kind of on the same issue where it was like, where it was like, oh, for helping run the game, you get an event for free which then means people are attaching monetary value to it Hmm. so i was like oh that's interesting so for like the first year it was literally just the four of us after that when we got comfortable we were able to recoup our losses from renting you know insurance costs and stuff like that then going on to those people who like to to help write and stuff like that i've specifically paid people to write for the game because I I understand that it's like you are doing a service for me because I'm paying you like whatever amount of money we deem necessary so so that way you can handle a story for a specific person. But that way it's them taking care of it and now it's like I'm paying them as like a, a contractor almost. Sure. Just kind of keep it clean and on the books and everything. I'd, I'd rather not suddenly have a, a lawsuit where <laughs> you owe me uh, a grand. Instead, it's more like commissioning them for the writing they're doing. Nice. Yeah, it definitely sounds like um, from what little we've talked already, your team's not afraid to try some things, take some risks, think outside the box, which from I've been a little out of touch with the LARP until the last few years. That seems like from what I've heard, uh, what it really needed to keep it going, keep the community sort of fresh and alive and, and healthy and everything. That is a pretty important thing of everything we do is that we we are very upfront with that, you know, we're not doing this professionally. We're doing this for fun. We're doing this not to make really to make money. We're doing it because we have fun ideas and we want to try and run a game and do that kind of stuff, which means we're going to try new things. And if those things don't work out, you know, we'll stop doing them. But we don't want people to think, oh, well, you know, man, that th- those Carnes brothers, they tried this thing that totally didn't work out. Man, what a what a bunch of jerks they are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure no one said that. <laughs> well, like, we've we ha- we've had situations fail before, and we sure. would address that at the end of the game. Is like, hey, we understand this didn't work. You know, thank you. Like, and we'd ask for feedback at events. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently, admittingly, we have not asked for feedback at events, but that's because I work a night shift job. So I go to work at 6 p.m. after the event, and I just don't have the mental energy to like do a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. I'll still sure. reach out to people for feedback and be like, "Tell me what didn't work, you know. Give me this info. Ask your friends, you know, who don't talk to me. Like, just give me the info that I that they are willing to share, and I'm willing to at least give something back." Right. Especially because we have a few players that we know are going to be brutally honest with us. So 
we definitely value their we, we value everyone's opinion but there are certain people that we go tell us how we screw yeah i tend to have uh not rose-colored glasses but maybe fanboy mentality <laughs> sometimes sounds like everything was just awesome and we appreciate that when players come to us like that too it's just you know we we we're not unaware when something doesn't work or if something goes poorly like we're we are usually the people that are sometimes most aware of it it's just sometimes we want to make sure that everyone's aware that we're doing this for fun try not ruin this for us too or if we're, we're worried that something like something might be falling apart on our end or at least certainly feel like it but we want to make sure like does it look like we've got our crap together on the player side? Because that's the most important part of the players having fun. Are are we getting it right for them? Right, and that's usually why I um, tend to have that attitude. Is even if there was something I didn't like, or something didn't really work out how I wanted it to, or I didn't prefer it. Like overall, the events that I've been to in my LARP are always just a ton of fun. So it's like that always outweighs it, and, and is kind of like what you're saying. I think the important part is if people you know are having fun they'll be very understanding about something not working right or trying something and not worrying, worrying, you know, so, so it's good to have that mentality. We never pretend to be a perfect LARP. (laughs) Sure. We, I've been to a LARP that literally told us to our face. Oh, we don't No, We just don't do that. And we're like, Oh, we, we didn't do anything for all literally a whole event. We, we sat by a campfire ourselves and cooked food and anytime someone came up to us, we would try to interact with them. And then that would be the end of the discussion. And the event happened around us. No matter what we did, mm. no one would invite us to anything. Anytime we approached people to join them on something, it was, and now we don't know who you are. Like, that literally was a word. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are, so we're not going to bring you. I'm like, oh, all right. Like, <laughs> and when we, when we brought it to the, to, to the GM, he was like, oh, that's not my problem. Like, okay. that's yeah that's choice and then we didn't go back yeah yeah exactly yeah that's all the feedback you need but yeah the point is like i said we're not i we're never going to pretend we're perfect we're always updating we literally put our rules on a google doc so that way if something is misworded or doesn't work as we intended i can just whip out my phone during the event and update it right there and then hand it to the pc and be like here's the ruling it's in writing. Hmm. We literally yeah. say up front in our rule book somewhere that it is a living rule book. Mm-hmm. We, if we need to change something, we will change it. We, our rules are not sacrosanct. Right. And that's something that can tend to get people like wrapped up in or distracted from the event as a whole or everybody's experience is like, well, this, the spell's 10 feet, not five feet, you know, which, you know, rules are important, but like the, know. The only time we've kind of run into a weird situation with it is in terms of people interpreting rules is if someone mm. asks us a whole bunch of vaguely related questions, we've gotten to the point where we say, what is your end game with this rules question? Just ask us that question and we'll tell you if it's true or not. Don't try and justify your interaction to us. Just tell us what you want. Right. Yeah, no, I think it's a good way to look at it. Cool. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about your player base. Is it a, a diverse group of people? Is it people who've played for a long time, new players? It was definitely really weird, our first event, when there were people that I didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. I can probably, and Ken can back me up on this, uh, since when we, before we started the LARP, it was just me and Kaim that were LARPing. So a lot of me and hers interactions 
were the kind of the the spreading of knowledge of like, hey, we're doing this thing. If you would like to attend, it's you know, we're open. Getting that people out there, and then having people not the four of us had no idea who they were was probably a ama- like one of the weirdest biggest highlights of my life was someone i had no idea they had no idea who i was <laughs> they were willing to put their faith in us to vaguely run fun content <laughs> and i even think we had some people that had not really larp before mm-hmm. like they were just mm-hmm. yeah you know all of my friends did this and you know your game was cheap and relatively close by and just starting so and i hear that's a good time to get into larping is when there's a new one starting so figured i'd just show up we've had a lot of uh, a pretty decent number of people for whom we were their first larp and it kind of it, it was the bug that bit them and they've, they've become invested in the hobby because of it and that's like the most flattering thing in the world that you can get somebody into a cool hobby like that with your game yeah that's awesome so yeah, we talked a little bit about the game itself. We unpacked a little bit more. Someone who's never heard of it um, and says, oh, we're Loga, that sounds interesting. Tell me about the game and the world. What's kind of the elevator pitch for him? So the first thing you'll uh, know about our game is that uh, for one thing, we do not run our game Friday night. We let people show up Friday night, but we are not like running an NPC shift. We're not doing any like our of our own personal stuff, Just any LARP stuff. We give Friday night as a chance for everyone to come down, check in, you know, get the, Hey, I haven't seen you in a month or two, like, you know, chuckles and like hangouts out. And then we don't start until Saturday, like usually around 10 or 11 AM. That's brilliant. (laughs) We are all adults with day jobs. We don't want to, you know, wear ourselves out before the game even starts. Right. Yeah, we've had a lot of players actually say that they they love the fact that we don't run Friday night because they had to come from work and handle dinner and all that kind of stuff, and they're usually grown people with kids. And so, like, I could just relax, or I'm not obligated to show up Friday night. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and we, the fact we've that... We've also had people hate that. Our, yeah, yeah, we have, but uh, I think we've had enough people say the fact that I can show up Saturday morning and not and know that I didn't miss anything important is also really nice for them too. Yes. Yeah. I like that idea. My uh, wife, who's never LARPed, says she doesn't have an interest, but I could probably convince her. But anyway, she's always kind of like, why does it have to be this like six hours Friday night, all day Saturday? <laughs> She's like, why can't it just be like four hours old afternoon? <laughs> and I'm like, nah, you don't get it. But yes, definitely the older I get, I'm like, no, you're right. <laughs> like we, as was said, we're all adults. We all have jobs. We There are people who come to our game who have kids, some of them in college now. And they're just, they, they, a lot of our LARPers, a lot of our players are just ready for a, not an easier game, but definitely a more laid back begin at least a start time sure our game itself it's high fantasy very dungeons and dragons inspired uh we try and sort of be a pastiche of a lot of different fantasy uh tropes and instances while still keeping it into our own relatively unique ideas Mm -hmm. um we have our own sort of planar verse that we've kind of built into it there's a multiverse going on it's got a multiverse thing going on with it we kind of try and come up with an overarching theme for our seasons. We actually just finished a very important season that was primarily written by Joe and Kime, uh, where it was a effectively what happened is a civil war is starting in our version of like the the empire, 
and the PCs were kind of not influencing it, but were definitely feeling the ramifications of their actions within it. Mm-hmm. Cool. But the skills and combat, lightest touch, full full contact. All right, so I handle the rules for the most part for like combat and stuff like that. We definitely lean more towards the lightest touch. I call it more medium touch, as in if someone says you're hitting too hard, then you're hitting too hard, and that's the end of the discussion. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not I'm not expecting I vaguely brushed against your shoulder so your character's dead. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm expecting, you know, head, headshots are illegal, groin shots are illegal, be mindful of women's chests, mm-hmm. but understand that it is still, as it comes to the day, it's still we are still a combat LARP, buy for weapons, light text weapons. Uh, you are going to be hitting each other. There are rules in place so that if you are not comfortable being hit with the weapons or you have a medical thing or whatever is saying, I'm not comfortable being hit for whatever reason, we do have a you know a pretty standard New Jersey PA uh, non-combat agreement, which is you put on in our game is an orange colored headband uh, for night. We'll give you like a, usually like a red like, or orange glow, like glow necklace. So that way, like nobody can say, oh, I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm because then they're a liar <laughs> but if you still want to interact with the game we still provide puzzles you know mm-hmm. log- you know logic solving teamwork you know environments that if you still want to participate be a healer be an alchemist and but you don't like hitting people or don't particularly want to be hit you can still interact with the game by being a non-combat character we also have it be really important that skills in our game are there to facilitate your role play um, so if you have a skill like called acrobatics and you want to like climb a tree, you can walk up to that tree and call what we, we use a word called, we use the word forsooth. And if you say forsooth acrobatics one, I climb up this tree, then basically that's you saying, I'm not going to do this out of game because it's not safe, but for all in game in- purposes, you should treat me as being up in this tree. Right. That's cool. If someone wanted to climb the tree, I mean, that's cool too. All right. <laughs> not, not me. I used to. Not anymore. Yeah. I, I injured my shoulder doing a forward tumble roll and mm. like the the lamest thing possible. Never falling <laughs> down a, a hillside. Nope. I did a forward tumble roll and sprained my shoulder. Now I don't do those mm. things anymore. Now you fourth tooth tumble roll. It's also a terrible lack of climbable trees at the site. Mm. Uh, that too. And then kind of uh, piggybacking off that is the game tend to be pretty roleplay heavy? I give us a half and half. Like we we don't we don't hide the fact that there's going to be like a quote unquote main mod, which is like generally there's a thing to fight. The town needs to gather their resources, gather their knowledge, and beat the beat the boss in one way or another. There's I've been trying I've been bad at it some events, but I, I always try to include some sort of puzzle element some sort of non-combat element for people to interact with so that way they can still participate. Uh, oh, and sure. before I forget, uh, for our combat, it, it is uh, you know swinging style where you call skills at each other. Of, you know, Part of the effect is then explaining the effect. So mm-hmm. are we, I'm not going to say we're rules light by any means, but <laughs> we, don't, we always tell people, like, we expect you to know what's on your character card. I don't expect you to know the rule book. If at any point you get hit with an ability, you know, numb limb, cripple limb, it's like, I don't know the difference between them. Well, it's 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 on the person who's using the skill to explain it to you. 
Right. So it, at that point, it's know what you have to know and just play the, th- play the game that you want to play because the rest of the game will still be there and you can interact with it and they'll let you know when you have to interact with it. Cool. Uh, besides the, um, the bleed mechanic, is there anything else that's kind of unique or something you haven't seen in other LARPs that you put into a system? Not, it wasn't very popular in our area. Uh, it's coming up more and more recently. Regenerating pools, such as like whatever you use to cast your spells or throw your physical abilities. Like The games I was going to for the most part were you had whatever your, to use uh, like WoW terms, you had, you know, inst- if those skills regenerated over time, you could use them every 90 seconds or, or something like that. A lot of the games in the area were either you bought individual uses of the skill. So if you had to buy it, mm-hmm. if you wanted to call block five times to stop damage, you had to buy it five times. Or you bought block once and then you had a, a pool which you would count down over time and maybe you would have a way of bringing that number back up from another player or some in-game mechanic. Uh, we threw that to the side. Uh, it's kind of old and outdated now. And we went with regenerating. So it's still the, you know, you have a pool and countdown every time you want to call the skill, but it's no longer, well, you used it. Uh, you used all of your abilities uh, in the first four hours of the game. Uh, that sucks to be you. <laughs> right. It's, you know, you can go take a nap or you can, you know, pr- you know, pretend to meditate over some stones, uh, you know, do what you need to do to, to facilitate your role play of you regaining your energy, either metaphorically mm-hmm. or just, actually resting your body and that gets your stuff back so that way after every mod you can go sit back at your bed or at our tavern have a drink and then when you know it's not always going to happen that you're a hundred percent ready again because we might jump you with something but that way you it's like it's like that opt-in where it's oh i want to go do this thing i'm going to spend my resources and then i have the option of hiding somewhere and regaining my resources and that's also, coming up more recently now. It also gives us the fun side effect of being able to assume that the players will always be at max like ability because mm-hmm. they'll always we assume that at least between mods, players are going to be resting and meditating. So that means we don't necessarily need to think. Well, it's it's really late in the period, so everyone probably used all their skills and everything like that. So if we send out someone something big and beefy, he's just going to accidentally kill a few people because the players aren't going to be able to handle it. You know, we actually get to treat the players like, you know, as it, we get to make the encounters interesting the entire event. Mm-hmm. We get to treat them as the heroes and villains they want to play. Yeah. And back on your question about the game itself being roleplay heavy, mm-hmm. Ken mentioned our Forsooth rule, which I want to bring back up because I really love it. Um, it's a way to make the game more roleplay heavy using this rule. Because pretty much when you are doing anything in-game that you can't reasonably imitate in real life, or you want to describe an effect in-game or something like that, you say, forsooth, like, uh, forsooth, the the cauldron in front of you begins bubbling and steaming and spitting as the, the, the water turns a deep azure blue and smoke bursts out of it, and suddenly there's a fairy standing before you. Like, you can do fun, descriptive things like that. Or, forsooth, mm-hmm. I jump out this window. You know, forsooth, I'm going to climb over this railing. You can do all those kinds of fun things. So they're somewhat reasonable to really flavor and roleplay up the game, which which I feel like it adds to the ability to roleplay 
and make the game a little more roleplay heavy than it would be otherwise. Because it's hard to to do those sorts of effects without you know having a bazillion props or being incredibly athletic out of game. Right. So it, it levels the playing field in a lot of different directions. Right, and it gives everyone that sort of extra element of creativity and theatrics, imagination, and kind of like reading a book versus watching a movie. Like, it's always better in your own mind and gives people, you know, they can imagine how cool it was or how badly you tripped and, you know, tumbled into the weeds or whatever. Yeah. So uh, a thing I tell people at the game, uh, which I, I forgot to tell at the last event, actually, but role play over rules except when combat starts uh-huh. then rules trump roleplay like i have no problem i like as the gm i basically know everybody at the game because we're you know at that sweet spot of players where i still can know everybody where you're not just a face and mm-hmm. so i i know that if in the middle of combat i'm being the boss and someone says like forsooth i you know push you back or i shield you know shield bash you I Joe Carnes am willing to do that because I'll you know take the role play and go with that, but you shouldn't assume that everybody's going to go with what you want to role play, mm-hmm. especially when numbers and stuff are involved like that. Just not everybody's cool with it. So I'm cool with it, but that's because I'm letting people know ahead of time. Like you can do this with me, but don't assume that you can walk up and just say, "Forsooth, I punch you in the face," and blah blah blah. They might go, "I." <laughs> I block because I don't want to get punched in the face. Right. <laughs> the forsooth mechanic allows us to use in-game rules to facilitate the role play where basically if you want to do something that doesn't have a mechanic behind it, we say that's like a rank zero use of that skill where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I am, I am tying you up with this piece of rope. Well, that is considered a rank zero bind then. And anything that is better than the rank zero that would negate that just immediately can break it. So like someone who has plus one strength can just immediately rip out of those binds or mm-hmm. someone with escape, uh, escape one can basically escape with them immediately. You know, cool. one of the other things that's unique at our game, or at least when we started was very uncommon in the general LARPing populace in the area is our contract system. Uh, the contract system is essentially, it's a bunch of contracts on a board that at any point someone a character in game can walk up and read the things on the board. It's it's stuff that in the in game world, you know, oh, a villager needs help with his farm or something like that. Mm-hmm. It can be a variety of things. There's a measuring system for how difficult it could potentially be, but essentially, it means that at any point during the game, if you want to go do something and there's not like an encounter happening right now or a mod, you know, already out and about, you can go choose to do a mod right now just pick a thing off the board send somebody over to npc and be like hey we're interested in doing this and we'll be like cool a hook will be out in like five minutes get your party together it's gonna happen so you can be as involved in doing stuff as you want to be without us necessarily having to constantly send out like hey does somebody want to help a farmer right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah no, I love that system. Size of the campsite helps a lot, though, because our NPCs like very much within spitting distance of sure. the board we sure. use. So it, it, it's much simpler for our, at least in our uh, system, to do that. Cool. I don't want to spend too long on it, but is that like you have things already set up, so it's real quick, or it's just kind of 
like could would somebody show up with one and be like oh sorry we can't do that right now because we're about to do this other thing it varies depending on the time of the event because there are times we have to say uh sorry you know no one's available right now like in the sense like We'll give it an in-game reason because, like, it, you're you're taking the note to the manor to talk to the guild representative. So sometimes the guild representative just can't get the person, and it's because, like, you know, we're literally like about to send out main mod or something. And sure, but we have all the mods essentially planned out ahead of time, and they're all generally something low impact for us. Or it's something like we already have everything set aside, so it's just okay. You four NPCs take that basket, go do the thing. Cool. For that, we'll actually. I have no problem telling people like I telling people I have, I trust them with like those four NPCs. I'll hand them this thing. It's like run this mod to the best of your ability. If it doesn't work exactly as written, I trust you all to change it so it fits as best as you can. Like I said earlier. Player agency, not well, player agency. Uh, player ability to affect the world goes also to NPCs. If the NPCs find that a mod going a diff, going away we didn't write is the way that it's going, like ninety nine percent of the time we're like, yeah, that's cool, awesome. You made this, you made this mod resolve in a way that isn't like the way we thought it would. Um, like our buddy Ariel, she uh, she was originally what a troll princess or something like yeah. that. Who was supposed to order a bunch of a bunch of her minions to fight members of the town? But someone actually came out and spoke to her and like didn't attack her and actually parlayed with her. And she's like, "All right, I'll hear what you have to say." They ended up strike brokering a peace deal during this whole standoff between her trolls and the town. And she <laughs> called her boys off, and we did not consult her about this at all. We didn't be like, "This is an option." She just she took the reins on it, and it ended up being a really cool chunk of roleplay because of it. We try and be very trusting with our players to let them create the world that will be fun for everybody. Nice. Yeah, that's something I've, uh, getting back into, come across here and there, that it is a trust thing. Like, it depends on the staff and the players and everything, but it's kind of been, from what I've heard, like a really, I don't know, like fragile or what, I don't know what the right word is, but yeah, like people have been burned before so they're like sorry you can't do this unless someone staffs with you which i you know i can understand or sympathize like because trust is a hard thing um but it is kind of refreshing to hear like it's open like that yeah sometimes you really want something need something to go a certain way and it not going that way is a really big deal i mean i've been that person where something didn't go the way i thought it should have or would have and you know it, it it Sometimes you just need to take that minute and be like, okay, I need to calm down. I'm going to walk off. I'm going to recompartmentalize things and just move on. Yeah. Get that improv training in action. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool to even have a way f- to facilitate that kind of thing. Like you can still run your main plots, but then have this job board thing is kind of more loose, open ended. It's probably not going to, uh, you know, divert your. Civil War. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah, exactly. If you don't care about the plot, here's other things you can do. Yeah. Going back to that trust issue thing, um, like the other side of it is a wonderful mechanic of being agents of consequence, by which I mean, like, if the town decides to be a bunch of murder hobos and kill small children, like, <laughs> then we send in the Inquisitors because you, why are all these children dead suddenly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it probably can make things more fun on the staff side, because I know 
people that have been on stuff I've talked to, they they think like they know everything that's going to happen because they've written it <laughs> and it is a little more rigid so that, yeah, you would know it's going to happen. But if you leave it a little more open-ended, then that comes back on you to come up with an idea like, you know, kind of like you said, improv, like yes ending a lot, uh, which can make it more rewarding and fun, I think having no experience myself but it sounds fun <laughs> but for the for the yes ending i, I i've had to remind players a, a couple times because they come from other games uh, npcs are allowed to lie to you <laughs> maybe they didn't out of game know they were lying maybe they gave they, they, the information they thought was correct they gave it wrong but they can they can be wrong it's still you should still treat it as the in-game info right that's what they gave you it was wrong and so you walked into a death trap by accident but that's just like real life Right, and just because the players maybe didn't come out like smelling like roses on the other end of a of a really big mod or something <laughs> like that, that doesn't mean we wrote the mod for the PCs to fail. It could mm-hmm. just mean that things went you know went bad really quickly, and the PCs just have to take the L. I mean, it can happen. The PCs really like to surprise you too. Like no matter how long you've been LARPing, no matter how long you've been running a game, no matter how long, how long you've been role playing. The players at a LARP have this beautiful ability to surprise the crap out of you no matter how, how you write something. Like, if you're expecting them to murder a hobo, no, no, they'll, they'll parlay this out and have it be a conversation, <laughs> have, like, sit down with an NPC, take them to dinner, bargain with them, all kinds of crazy stuff. Meanwhile, you send out, like, a, a frail old lady who just needs help finding her glasses and they'll punch her and roll her in a ditch. Like, it's wonderful the way they surprise us. <laughs> <laughs> no lie, I sent out a bunch of bird folk to harangue a small child with a basket full of bread. Now, mind you, the small child was played by the dude with the biggest beard I could find in NPC, <laughs> who was running away from a bunch of, at best, teenage bird people who literally just wanted to beat him up for the bread. <laughs> All the teenagers died. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Over a loaf of bread. <laughs> That's that's awesome. And those are the cool stories that people tell, not always the dragon slaying, but we're all about having fun. Yeah. And if you're not having fun, let us know so that we can facilitate you having fun. Yeah. Cool. Probably going to wrap up pretty soon, uh, but I wanted to give a chance for you to bring up anything just on your mind or you can keep sharing some fun stories, maybe highlights, encounters or or mods that you've done or something like that or storylines. So our last event we just did, the entire town through issues and happenstance had been transported to Bator, a.k.a. our world's version of hell. And one of the fun things we got to do is uh, we created this special survival board system. It was uh, like we all worked on it. We had a couple friends come in and look at it where basically because everyone was pretty much in hell, you could die a few times because hell wouldn't be eternal torment if you just died. So every time a person died in hell, they got up and they got to choose one of three uh, penalties they had until they got them cured. And and they could find supplies that they could use to get rid of those penalties. So it basically created this really fun event that a lot of people have told me they really liked it, where it sort of uh, evoked a very survival horror aspect where it was like, well, I'm walking around and my limbs are almost falling off, but if I try and cure this again, we're going to almost basically run out of, run out of supplies, which means like my friend over here, who's 
if they go down one more time, they're just going to die. So we have to spend those supplies super wisely. And it, it was just so much fun to watch players uh, just try and solve a puzzle that didn't really have any solution other than like figuring it out and gritting through it and just doing everything they can to survive as good as possible. I like it. And it's cool to, like you said, just kind of add a system in there all of a sudden, you know, like, Hey, this is how it's going to work and uh, keeps things fresh and people take it on their toes and, and all that stuff is cool. I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff where it's slowly introducing new systems and that sort of thing just to kind of see what works, see what doesn't, you know, don't want, Mm -hmm. you don't want to overwhelm our players, but at the same time, we don't want it to sit at, well, they know absolutely everything that could happen. So let's just not even try. Right. I do 10 fire instead of five fire. Now next event, I'll do 15 fire instead of 10 fire. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Hey, it works for some people, right? It does. But you know, every once in a while, uh, a character will show up and they'll throw something like eviscerate, which is just a skill we don't have in the game in the rule book. But we have in our like GM keywords that we can use sometimes. And they'll kind of go, oh, eviscerate. That's probably really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. But you know. (laughs) Yeah, a couple of mechanics have come out of our game like that. It's always like, we do this in the mod, and so eventually the players learn to do this. Okay, well now we do this, which totally disrupts that. So now they got to do something else, uh, and so it just kind of makes these neat mechanics uh, come up every now and then. And then eventually it's just like, oh, that's now a thing. Like a big monster can stomp you, and you can't just hit it to stop it. You got to get that person out of the way or something like that. And, and we've had situations uh, during the hell event that he was talking about, where like there was a monster that was it was a puzzle fight, like. Like we give damage types kind of not freely, but like somewhat available, and it, it wasn't quite clear that it was a puzzle fight. So your your person who just hits things and hits things hard and is out of game good at fighting, while it normally would look like this was intended for him, it was actually intended for people to go like, okay, normal things aren't working. We need to figure out what works, and then oh hey, that worked for one hit, but now it's not working again. So like, what's the next step? And that's something mm-hmm. we learned is if we do puzzle fights like that, we need to make more clear intent. Uh, f- for my personal like thing that I thought was really cool, uh, which was actually a, a borrowed thing. Uh, we were friends with the owner of now uh, 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 Dead Game Doomsday. Uh, he ran an event which I attended, which was it was a war going on where there basically there was a board game of a hex map that there were pieces on, so it was you know. Any, like a war game was happening and when the war game was happening the all the pcs would get a mission it's like okay we can go do we can either go bring supplies to the front line or we can go disable the artillery over here we can only do one so what are we right. doing and the That's pcs cool. would choose what to do and go do that we also uh, our first ever four day and by four day i mean we ran a whole saturday and we ran a whole sunday but we also had the campsite for friday and monday for people to like rest and rest and party Nice. Uh, we did that. We did a, a wartime event where Saturday was a normal event, and then Sunday was repelling an invasion from the plane of fire. So the, P- the PCs, uh, everybody moved to this little section of a nearby forest where we had cleared out. We set up a bunch of tents and tables. We brought like food and stuff over there, and we laid out the map, which uh, we drew, and then put like a standard uh, D&D uh, square grid map over it. 
and we mm-hmm. we picked out models and let people volunteer to be the commanders on the board so they would be playing their their characters but they'd be leading mm. units on the table and so that way we could have and did the same thing where it's like here's three things you could do you know disable the trebuchets uh bring uh acid weapons to fight this fire unit or a third thing and so you can only do one as a town what do you want to do and we did that for a whole Sunday. And in my opinion, it worked very well. There was some hiccups. Uh, we tried, this is the first, we tried having Ken run the board game while I ran NPC. We tried using some walkie-talkies. It worked about half the time. Next, we, we learned to have a better communication system mm-hmm. for relaying to each other. But that was the first time we ever did it. So I was, ha- I was damn happy with it. And it let the PCs participate in a global is guess the term i'm looking for where it's oh instead of here's the town and where we are or whatever we're interacting with it's oh here's the town and here's the rest of the duchy and that we're actively mm-hmm. doing and uh like one of the pcs who volunteered to be a general other people were the commanders and they sent his unit in and his unit died so he took a death like that was a mm. like a real thing it's like if your unit gets obliterated you're dead <laughs> yeah and it let people like interact with the greater world of getting this this opportunity to be say like oh like your my character was a general or uh, a leader <laughs> in a, of a unit I did this thing which then led to the next event where everyone who signed up to be a board leader uh, we actually like presented them medals as they were war heroes <laughs> oh, that's cool they they were heroes of the battle of burnt roses basically burning roses Ooh. burning roses yeah burnt roses that sound cool. And we also then uh, made a flag and uh, like attached it to a latex staff, so that way and let the PCs like dress it up and stuff like that, so they could actually bring that flag to mods and it's a magic item now. Oh, that's cool. We also do uh, between game actions, which is I think okay. a pretty okay. standard thing for a lot of LARPs now, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Where it's basically if you are so inclined to want to have your character interact with the world more on a larger scale. We open up a Google Doc, and uh, between games, you can send us like a paragraph of what your character is doing between games, and we'll sort of write a small thing back that's about a paragraph or so of like what happens and what you do and that kind of thing. Sweet. It's really helped us uh, flesh out the world a lot because a lot mm-hmm. of the things that have been introduced in the game world were introduced through player creations. Like um, a couple organizations were originally being like, my character is on the run from the blah, blah, blah organization. And then all of a sudden, like three games later, that organization showed up looking for them. <laughs> yeah. Which is not something I think that can be said to actually happen in a lot of games. Yeah. It's important like it. to us that the world still happens kind of almost not necessarily regardless of player interaction, but sometimes because of, but sometimes in spite of. Like, not mm-hmm. everything goes 100% well all the time. But, you know, just because, you know, you're you're the strongest person in this town, well, yeah, but your town's also this tiny little frontier town. There's the guy who killed the 100-foot centip- you know, centipede the next town over. You know, he's their town hero. It, it is a world filled with adventurers outside of just this small town full of, quote, heroes. Yeah, I spend my in-between game action arm wrestling that guy. Hell yeah! <laughs> and we would totally have that guy show up later and like punch you in the back <laughs> of the head. It's like you cheated, and that would be an actual thing. Nice. We will use like the it. BGA 
to like, oh, hey, this will be a cool random encounter to show up in the event. Uh, it, mm-hmm. It's happened before where we actually had uh, someone's like character history like thing was coming in to investigate them. Unfortunately, the player had to go home Saturday night, uh. and but we st- we had it planned for Sunday morning. We still send it out because the they were still investigating that PC. But mm-hmm. they just didn't. They just didn't have to hide Sunday morning. Instead, they're just like, "Oh, we're still going to investigate. We're looking for this person. Is anybody willing to give up information for money?" Mm-hmm. Some people did, and then they kept using their real name. <laughs> <laughs> this is more of a role play one. Just, just, I love it so much. Um, in our game, we have a uh, oh, it's called a Paragon class called Mystic Knight. Which is pretty much your your a, a knight of the fae. I I generally tend to handle the magic and fae plot, so like this is my baby. And um, one of our players uh, really just loves bringing like charcuterie and things like that to game, and just having like a snack time, usually Saturday night or Sunday morning. He always has people in his cabin like to have like a bite or whatever. He often brings mm-hmm. like dried fruit or nuts and stuff. He's like, I want to do like some kind of snack time, and this is like way late o'clock Saturday night after main mod, and I'm like. You know what? I need to run a Mystic Knight thing. Go to your cabin, get set up, get in some fairy fairy costuming. Because I had a player who had been petitioning to become a Mystic Knight, but he hadn't been set up with a Fey Lord to uh, deny him or anything yet. So this turns into the the player who brought the snacks and two other NPCs who are both trained actors and insanely good at improv. And the two of them are best friends, so they they work off of each other like a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. So I sent them all in as these ridiculous unseelie fae, and the player who's been petitioning, he gets to bring a guest, and he's been invited for uh, for a, a, an evening luncheon. <laughs> so he ends up stuck in this cabin. The door, forsooth, the door fades away into a flat wall. Stuck in this mm. cabin, dealing with a, an unseelie fae lord and his two incredibly loud, rowdy pages or just bouncing off the walls with complete and total shtick the entire time. Eating food, dealing with the weird magical effects that the food keeps having on him, and having to <laughs> bargain for, uh, to petition to become a knight off of this guy the entire time. It ended up with a, uh, a duel between the, uh, the petitioning player and one of the, uh, the actors uh, using pepperoni sticks, if I recall. <laughs> it was absolutely oh, beautiful and my stomach hurt so bad from just watching it and trying not to laugh loudly while while marshalling the whole scene that might be one of the best stories ever told on this podcast we have a lot of really fun really creative players and it's just so great to let them just go <laughs> right uh, as for stories for me my favorite moments are either not to keep mentioning like consequences. Like one time, I had to come in as my NPC, and because the PCs had allowed a random farmer who had commissioned the guild to get help with something like a abomination that was taking over his farm, the uh, PCs got him dead. So I had to come in as the guild representative and essentially dress down the entire town and like, y'all need to pay a wear guild, fix this before you make us all look bad. Mm. But outside of that, like, one of my favorite moments, we were running a quick, like, uh, trap hallway mod in one of the small cabins, and there was a puzzle lock, and they had entered this chamber, it sealed behind them, and it started to fill with water. Now, incidentally, one character was playing a small goblin, 
who is absolutely terrified of water. Mm. And someone else, coincidentally, happened to have an uh, in-game phobia of drowning. And we had never <laughs> expected it to come up. Until they're climbing on furniture, screaming at the top of their lungs like, Oh god! Oh god, I'm gonna die! <laughs> As the other PCs are trying to keep it together long enough to figure out the puzzle door, so that way they don't all drown. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I like background and flavor stuff like that, like phobias or, you know, uh, worst nightmare kind of things. And then... Had you known that ahead of time, or that just coincidentally? It, it just we didn't pick those PCs who went on the mod. It just happened to be the people who went. <laughs> oh, that was a contract, yeah. actually. Yeah, it was a contract, and it was uh, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> did they get out? Uh, yeah, they did eventually get out, but it was funny no because drunk. they were actually like climbing on a couch, like clawing at the ceiling, <laughs> like going ham, like oh god, no. I'm going to dissolve if the water touches me. <laughs> <laughs> so saying earlier for Ken uh, about the the player-driven lore and stuff like that, we I personally hate going to a LARP and they're like, here's my 500-page lore book. What do, you mean, <laughs> what do you mean you didn't read it? It's like, I, I work a full-time job. I don't got time to read 500 pages. I barely get to read books now. Our lore book now is like 10 pages. And only the first, like, four pages are, like, I shouldn't say relevant, but it's like, here's a sen here's one sentence that describes this god. Here's a sentence that describes this god. Here's a sentence that describes this plane. Here's the leader of that plane. It's mm -hmm. basic information that we want you to add to. Oh, okay. We've had people add and create the lore to, to add those things. It's like, well, my backstory, this thing is true on this plane. It's like... And we, we approve it. It's like, yeah, that's true now. It's a, it's official. You can tell everybody this, and if you go to that plane, it might happen. It's gone all the way up to uh, players adding, it's like, well, my uh, my personal patron is the guardian of, like, one of the lords of this elemental plane. And we kind of went, okay, yeah, sure, that sounds good to me. You know, And then we actually uh, then killed that character <laughs> because we needed, like, well, what's a really powerful character based around... That would that would uh, help break a giant glacier. Ah, the guardian of the of the water god. Perfect. Nice. That sounds like a lot of fun and good uh, staff and good group of players. We agree. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been really great talking uh, about your game and getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, why don't you hit everybody with uh, best places to get information um, and if they want to check it out, just kind of the that whole spiel. We do a lot of our contact uh, through the game on Facebook. You just look up Where Logo LARP on Facebook. Uh, we also have a forum. Uh, I believe it's is it Lafor or Tapatalk? It's Tapatalk now. Yeah. So you just look up Where Logo W A E R L O G A LARP Tapatalk, and that should bring you there. Uh, we also have a website now. Does anyone know that URL off the top it's, of your head right now? Uh, where Logo LARP dot I do believe. Um, we're yeah, wellandlark.com. Yeah, we're trying to be good about updating it frequently, but we're bad about updating it frequently. <laughs> if you go to that website, however, sure. you'll see a very choice selection of all of the best pictures we've had taken at the LARP. It's true, or at least all the ones oh, that were true. in landscape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that also gives you links to to the Facebook. It gives you links to the the, the forums. It'll also give you links to the Google Doc where our rollbook is. Yes. So uh, when is your next event? 
Yeah, our next upcoming event is uh, Friday, November twenty second through Sunday, November twenty fourth. And check them out on Facebook, and you'll get all the info and how to get started and when to meet and everything. Uh, we'll yep, also have the rest of our event dates up very soon for next year. Cool. Yeah, we do all of our registrations and stuff online, so it's pretty simple for people to get set up. And we're always happy to answer questions, and we have, um, like I said, a great community. We're also always willing to answer questions if anybody has, like, you know, anything that they're they're confused about or it isn't quite clear to them about the rules of the game itself. Yeah, people love talking about the game world and its uh, its rules in the Facebook group, and we heartily encourage it. They're also a bunch of meme lords, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> always good. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, sounds like a fun game, like I keep saying. Yeah, wish you all the best and look forward to hearing more and maybe getting out there someday. Well, we would always accept and welcome any players that would like to come out and have a good time. Yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. This has been 321 Lay On Podcast. Visit nextlevelnerd.com. Check out all of our other podcasts. We cover movies, TV shows, comic books, gaming, all kind of fun stuff for nerds. Check out our Facebook page. We got uh, interesting articles that we find and tons and tons of memes for you to laugh at and share. Uh, you can find our shows and our Facebook and everything. Just Google or search Next Level Nerd anywhere. We appreciate you listening. And if you liked what you heard, give us a like, a subscribe, tell, tell a friend. It's all good. It helps us out. But until next time, LARP enthusiasts, thanks for listening. Remember, spread the word, spread the nerd. Spread the nerd.